Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people, and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Ortiz finds it off center field. Damon running to the plate. And he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but what? here comes a pizza. See it? This is our fucking city. And nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Spring training time, Tyler. Spring training time. We're getting excited. People are showing up. We're getting that fucking smack of the mitt. We got the green grass. We got the blue skies. The truck that left Fenway on truck day reached Fort Myers. I'll be down there next week, I think, at some point. Okay. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of bubble gum down there. Some big league chew up in this bitch. The veterans are there. The youngins are there. We got, it, we're on, uh, what is it? Uh, best shape of, of my life watch. Shout out Doogie. That was, uh, so I don't know if this is before your time, but have you ever heard of the blog um, Hardball Talk? Yes, that was uh, NBC Sports, right? Correct. I, now, when I was in high school, my daily uh, schedule in order to keep learning and you know be on pace every day, uh-huh. I'd read every single article they posted. And as you yes. know, they used to post like 30 articles a and day. Best Shape of My Life was like mm-hmm. half of them during this time of year. Yep. Yeah, it was... It was tough for me because uh, I can't remember the, the guy's name. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the main uh, dude, Craig Calcaterra. Yep, that's it. Yep. Craig Calcaterra. Uh, I read him every day, multiple times a day, but he fucking hated slash currently hates Barstool. 
So I read him before I was ever at Barstool. And when I got there, I was like, oh, man, this sucks. Like He fucking, <laughs> this guy hates me. He doesn't even know who I am. But uh, I would read that blog. That, like that kind of like the hardball talk blog inspired what sock space would look like, at least from like a aesthetic perspective later down the line. It was the website that fucking Pete ended up designing. Um, but yeah, that was one of their things was best shape of of his life every every time you'd show up to spring training everyone would say it so and so is in the best shape of his life and uh it's looking like alex verdugo might be in the best shape of his life i'm not even listen i'm not going might you want you want to sell a ticket to me and sometimes listen during this time of year i'm optimistic we've talked big picture all off season long no one can say we haven't hit on all those things right now the picture titans we're talking spring training we're talking you know 162 games coming up Alex Verdugo, Chris Verdugo told us on Twitter all offseason. He was busting his ass. He wanted to be more athletic. Core challenged him at the end of the year. It was about, you know, don't do what you did the year before, which he kind of followed the Andrew Benintendi route, right? He bulked up. He looked, he had a great second half of the season, which I'm happy Core acknowledged because he didn't at the end of last year. And I think everyone was like, all right, he deserves a little love. Like, I understand it wasn't the breakout everyone was hoping for, but. From June on, he was like a 121 weighted runs created plus. He was one of the best hitters on the team. Now you see him. He reminds me of the guy we saw in 2020. Like you're not expecting him. Not that I ever thought he was going to be a 25 home run guy, but it looked like he tried to turn himself into that. Mm-hmm. Now he looks like he's followed the route Benintendi is in today. Yeah. And, and that's that's what Alex Cora said. By the way, we're going to get to the uh, Alex Cora spoke again today. So what's today? Wednesday. We've got yes. audio from the Tuesday, which was his first press conference, Alex Cora. We've got audio from Alex Cora's Tuesday press conference, his first time meeting with the media this spring, uh, and also Heim Bloom's meeting with the media. I don't have the Chris Sale audio. That was from today, but we can kind of just go over some of the quotes because I have some thoughts on Chris Sale that I would love to share that I feel like we need to, we need to set the record straight on Chris Sale. I love it within Red Sox Nation because the way people record straight. Yeah. The way people talk about him, it it blows my mind. And I understand a lot of people don't remember and we'll get into it, like you said, but we're talking about one of the best pitchers of his generation. Put some respect on his name, please. Like, yeah, it's like the Dustin Pedroia discourse, though. There were people those last couple of years that shit all over him, acted like he wasn't the player who he was like Chris Sale. You know, we'll see what plays out the next couple of years. But, you know, if he retired you know, around 2020 or whatever it was, it's a Hall of Fame career. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking Hall of Fame numbers, top five, top six in Cy Young voting every single year. Put some respect on that man's name. Can I tell you what I did last night, Tyler? Talk to me. <laughs> let me hear it. So let me just, I'm, I, I, first I need to confess something before I tell you what I did last night. Whoa. I need to confess something to you and, I and to the listeners. I, I just want to be open and honest about this. Um, because I do feel like it is my responsibility and part of my job. Uh, I am in the process of listening to Evan Drellick's book. Wow. I want to know what's in there because I saw uh, there was a radio segment um, from your competitors oh. where they were, they were talking about the excerpts. And I don't want to be that guy. Not nothing against them, but there were excerpts in the Boston Herald from Evan Drellick's book 
And I don't want to pick point things that were spoon fed to me. I would like to consume the entire book and then I'll tell you what I think is important. Not what the Boston Herald told me is important. Um, so that's what I'm in the process of doing. Last night, uh, I was, I don't know. I'm pretty deep. I'm like halfway done with it in a fucking day, but I'm just a beast like that. I don't think that the common man is going to be able to just plow through half that book in a day. Uh, so I'm halfway through it. And then I don't know all this talk about 2017 Astros. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking again, like, you know, 2017 Houston Astros, they won the world series last year. They went to the world series in 2019. People are talking about a dynasty. And then I was like, you know what? The Red Sox kind of just fucked them in the ass in 2018. Like that was in the heart of the Houston Astros dynasty, potentially, maybe when they were cheating. But I, I think obviously, I, if you're the Houston Astros and you were cheating in 2018, I don't care what the investigation says. Like that, the investigation doesn't know everything. I'll say that the investigation doesn't know everything. Um, if they were still cheating in 2018, they obviously weren't doing it against the Red Sox because Alex Cora obviously knew what, what they were doing in 17. So he's like, yeah, try and pull that shit with me. Like we, we, yeah. we know we've seen behind the curtain. Uh, so I, I last night I pulled up a YouTube video that in, in, uh, in order, they went through every playoff game in 2018 and showed every run scoring or notable play from every playoff game from 2018. I just needed that dose of serotonin Be after last year. And then there's a lot of people that are down on the Red Sox for this year. I even tried. What did I what tweet did I throw out the other day? Like I was talking about like Kike being a leader or. Oh. When I said something along the lines of this team has like a chip on their shoulder, like I like that. I like that. I've heard more than one person. I've heard more than one person on this team talk about how everyone's picking us last. You know, everyone's picking us last. Like they're taking it personally. And I like that. And then people are like, well, yeah, that's because they are going to finish last. It's like, it, what do you want that? these guys to say, though? Like, seriously, if they went there and said, hey, we'll see whatever happens. Who cares? You'd be roasting the hell out of them and calling them poverty and already quitting on the year. It's like, yeah, of course, they're going to talk like this. They better have a damn chip on their shoulder. And yeah. last time they talked like this, it was 2021. Yeah. 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 I forget what happened and something happened in 2021. Before the season, someone pointed this out to me recently. Like, oh, uh, who said this? It might have been a public comment, not a private one. Someone said the last time you guys were this negative about the team was was in 2021 when we went to like two games from the World Series. Someone I, I said that. Yeah, I didn't even see it, but I, I had this argument on air the other day. Um, and I was kind of like, you know, Beetle and them, it's all part of it, right? Like crap on the Red Sox. This is the season I've, you know, I've never looked, you know, I've never been so down on the Red Sox. I've never cared so little. Who knows when pitchers and catchers report pretending like they don't care. It's like you remember going into 2021, like as many questions. And listen, it was a little different. You had Xander Bogarts then. Um, but going into 2021, it was like J.D. Martinez is cooked. It was like, no way this guy's showing up after 2020. Nate Evaldi. He's never living up to that extension, you know, comes in and gives you a fourth place uh, young finish. Your right fielder, Hunter Renfro, hit 156 in 2020. 
You have Bobby Delbeck at first base, a rookie who, you know, not that highly touted. Whatever, we'll see what happens. He had Kike Hernandez in center. No one believed he could be an everyday player at that time. Um, you know, Martin Perez and Garrett Richards were help anchoring your rotation. Like, say what you will. I look at this 2023 20, roster right now, and yeah, do they not have a Xander Bogarts in there? No, they got to hope Yoshida can give you something similar to that. But the bullpen, you have a better bullpen than you did back then. Mm-hmm. If your rotation stays healthy, I don't think anyone's going to say the 2021 rotation has more talent or had more talent than what you have this year. Does the lineup maybe have a little less potential? Yeah, but they should still be pretty good. It's not all negative. A lot of ifs. A lot of a lot ifs. of ifs. But those ifs, a lot of people are assuming those to be negative when they, I mean, put on your positive hat. They could, yeah, it, they could work out in the positive side. It's not like there's... Uh, like you're bringing in absolute shit bums who have no potential to to rise to the occasion or be good at baseball. There are a lot of what ifs where it's like if if things work out, this guy's pretty fucking good. This guy's and good that, at baseball, and that's what 2021 was. It was like we saw the first three months. It was like they were beating everyone up, but the injuries, the injuries didn't pile up. It was like all right, things went their way. 2022, it was the opposite. Anything that could go wrong went wrong. 2021, at least until about August, everything went right for them. They need some form of that. If they can even get close to a lot of things going right, they're going to be fine. And like you said, Chris Gasper had his column the other day, and he's like, this is a quadruple A roster. Do you have you looked at Oakland's roster? Do you know what Pittsburgh is like? I'm sorry. Spare me. Spare me on that. Because look at all nine guys, you know, who are in your starting lineup. Look at the rotation. Look in the bullpen. Would those guys not all have major league jobs? I'll exclude Ryan Brazier from that. Would yeah. those guys not all have major league jobs elsewhere? This isn't an Oakland team who's legit sporting a AAA lineup or Pittsburgh. Like these are major leaguers. There's a reason they're projected for about 79 wins. Um, you know, by a lot of outlets, I think Zips has them at 79. That's the exact same mark they had them at for 2021. ESPN has them 19th in their power rankings uh, for this year. That's the exact spot they had them in 2021. Okay. It's good to know. That's good to know when you're trying to stay positive. That's it. Jake, are you staying positive right now? Uh, I couldn't be more positive. Jake is sick right now, and he's still positive about this Boston Red Sox team. We've all been there. We've all been in spots where it's like, fuck, man. Like, I'm sick. My head hurts. I'm stuffy. Nose is runny. My throat hurts. And it's like, fuck everything. But Jake is still like, you know what? Socks. Still got the socks, though, dude. And that's why. Yeah. I mean, like, we're hey, we're going to lead the charge on the on the power of positivity uh, for this 2023 Boston Red Sox team until they give us a reason not to be like if if you're sitting there already negative about the Boston Red Sox, haven't even played a spring training game, never mind a regular season game, then take take the poop out of your pants. Take Scoop the poop out. out of your pants. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no reason to be negative right now. Nothing has happened yet. Nothing well, has happened. It's just crazy because you look at like, you know, I post a video of sale throwing today. 90% of the comments. Oh, look at him. He's going to blow his arm out. Just walking out there. You know, he's going to pull something. I hope there's not a bike near him. It's like, guys, how do you live like this? Like, seriously, we've lived in misery for a year. We've had so many things go wrong, so many headaches, especially Chris Sale, a guy who's so easy to root for. Just right now, nothing has gone wrong yet. Like, we showed up last year when we showed up. We're talking Heim Bloom. Heim Bloom's telling you Chris Sale has a stress fracture. Counter Trevor Story. Yeah, okay, that's fair. But I'll count that a little bit before, right? Like, 
we get into spring training, there's no immediate bad news this year, right? When we get here, you know, we when know we what Trevor's story is. Yeah, but like we're still getting. I don't. I mean, like the quote that came out today from Trevor's story wasn't really news to people that are paying attention. People were reacting to it like it was it was new news. But he was like, yeah, best case scenario, I'm back in what, June? And then worst case scenario, I'm not playing at all. And the people are like, oh, here we go. That's not new news. Like we knew that the second that we were told about the surgery. That's not something that you should be reacting to as if like, oh, here we go again. No, we we knew that uh, like a month ago. But to your point, nothing bad has happened yet since everyone showed up and there has been sprinkles of positivity. And I will tell you, that uh, some folks that have seen Yoshida already, they're impressed. Mm. They're impressed. People are saying, oh, this dude's a real deal. I mean, obviously, take this. I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt because these people, these people know what they're talking about. It's not a... Uh, I mean, the people that are saying these things aren't inexperienced in being able to... Uh, like, I got a text message. Wait till you see Yoshida. Wait till you see him. The guy is a stud. Strong dude. You are going to love him. These are from people that know what the fuck they're talking about. So listen, that that makes me happy. (laughs) That makes me happy, Tyler, because I I wasn't one of the people that when they when they signed Yoshida, where I was like skeptical, like, oh, man, like, uh, you know, is he going to be a bust? Who knows? That's a lot of money. You know, I keep hearing about the defense. No, my first thought was, let's wait to see. Like, why react to something before it fucking happens? Like, I've never understood that logic before. Like, it, these are people that are just absolutely miserable in other facets of life. And then it just bleeds into their uh, baseball viewing experience. I am, am content. Like, I, I, I wouldn't consider myself a miserable person. I wouldn't consider myself an overly happy, outgoing person. I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm pretty content. And that bleeds into my baseball viewing experience. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not like... Fuck yeah, dude. Yoshida's going to win MVP. I'm also saying like, well, you know, other players from Japan haven't really panned out. So he's probably not going to pan out either. This guy sucks. I'm just like, hey, now pretty, pretty optimistic. Let, let's see what happens. Let's see what this guy does. Let's 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 use our eyeballs here. Let's give him a shot. Let's give him a fair shake. Like, why is that not a universally shared uh, viewpoint? I don't I don't I don't understand that. I think it's part of it. Like the Red Sox, they always carry and it's part of that 86 year curse. And I think it's the older fan base. I think the younger fan base, for the most part, is pretty positive. You Good. Know, someone like me, like I've lived through championships. All I know is winning. Right. The older generation, it's always like we're right back to where we were pre 2004. We're never going to win again. Everything sucks. Let me turn my radio on. I'm going to call in and bitch about how the Red Sox will always be the Red Sox at the end of the day. Um, they're not who they were the last two decades, whatever. Um, th- that that's just how people are going to act. I think if you look at this team right now, yeah, you can recognize the negatives. We've talked negatives plenty of times here and you can touch on them. But if you even sprinkle the positives, if you're even like, what if that apparently is the worst thing? If you can say, what if this goes wrong? Why can't you say, if, what if this goes right? We've seen both versions of that the last two years, even if it's somewhere in the middle. I think this Red Sox team will be better than what we saw last year. And in terms of Yoshida, you're looking for another reason to keep your positive hat on, Jared. Yeah. That 13 minutes Cora said today, mm-hmm. two things. Two Yoshida things. in the clubhouse, talking to guys, nice character, way more than you think for someone who has to use an interpreter. He's a student of the game. Like he's really kind of getting into it. He was at the Super Bowl party with Cora, uh, which is another yeah. thing, you know, he was excited about. The second thing, 
Cora said to throw out all those kind of uh, scouting reports on his defense in left field. Ooh, he's like, listen, he's okay. like, listen, in Japan, he's like, it's a much different way they view defense out there. Everybody's fundamentally strong. It's not going to be Hanley Ramirez, you know, attempting to figure it out there on the go. He's like, yeah, Kike told Cora, hey, I was throwing with Yoshida. There's some carries on those throws. I'm just saying he's like, I, I've, I don't agree with some of those scouting reports. I'm seeing something. So okay. we're being positive. Let's hey. be positive. That's a fucking positive thing to say right there, Tyler. I didn't see anyone writing it, and I'm listening to it. I'm like, oh, this no. sounds pretty fucking good. No, and speaking of people writing it, did, I mean, you saw the Sean McAdam tweet about, you know, like, you know, th- 10 years ago, there would have been three times as many media members down here and blah, blah, blah. Like, trying to paint it as a lack of interest in the team, it's more indicative of the industry, I think. 100%. It's more indicative of the industry than it is of the interest in the team. And I'm not going to sit here and say that there's mass uh, interest in the Boston Red Sox right now. There's not. I mean, you could say it's, it's whoever's winning. It's, it's not about the sport. It's not about the team. It's about who's winning and who's not. Boston's always been that way. We'll have the argument until we're blue in the face about, oh, you know, football's king and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, Tom Brady's gone. He ain't coming back. He fucking retired. The Patriots stink. They're boring. I didn't watch a single fucking game this year. I watched every second of Tom Brady's career. And I'm a baseball guy. I'm only a baseball guy. I only live and die with the Boston Red Sox in the sport of baseball. But I watched every single second of Tom Brady's career because it was captivating and it was interesting and it was entertaining. Now, couldn't give a fuck about the Patriots. Could not give a single fuck. But I've gone to Bruins games. Bruins are interesting. They're winning. They've got they've got a great uh, locker room camaraderie going on with like the characters. And it's it's fun. It's fun to be a Bruins fan right now. Celtics, same thing. I mean, like they're going through a rut right now, but it's fun to be a Celtics fan. This town will will it'll never be a baseball town. It'll never be a football town, hockey town, Celtics town. It is a town of whoever is fucking winning. End of statement, period. So if the Red Sox start winning again, guess what? It'll be a baseball town. We're not that far removed from, we talked about the wild card game and the 21 playoffs. That shit was rowdy. It was loud. It was deafening. I'll say it again. Players from the 2018 World Series team told me, told all of you that it was louder during that 21 run than it was when they won a World Series title in 2018. So, I mean, it's, you have the people there. You have the people that are interested in the Boston Red Sox. Like, don't let sports talk radio or fucking Dan Shaughnessy or whoever tell you that. Yeah, you know, fan interest is down. No one gives a fuck. That's not true. It's just there are certain fans, especially like I I think that Tyler and I and maybe maybe you listening. We're a rare breed where and I don't even know that Tyler fits this bill. He's probably 95 percent baseball, but you care about other sports. No, you don't No. Yeah, me neither. Okay, I just fake it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's it's there are it's a rare breed to just be like, I only care about baseball. I only care about this one sport. So, yeah, it's people fan interest will shift to where it's more interesting right now. I, I don't I can't sit here and tell you that you're wrong. If you tell me you're not that interested in the Boston Red Sox, that's fine. But when the season starts, they start playing games and they start winning again. We'll see where that fan interest is at. Because it, it comes back like that. All the Red Sox have to do is win. Very simple. And you could say, Jared, you're describing a bandwagon fan right now. Fine. A That's fucking a bandwagon fans. fan's money is just as green as a diehard fan. 
I don't care. Fill the stadium, fill the seats, buy the jerseys, buy the beer, park your fucking car, sit the fuck down, shut the fuck up, watch the Boston Red Sox. I don't care. I've never cared about bandwagon fans in my life. Don't care. Like it, the more, the merrier. The only people that like that, eh, I don't even think that this bothered me either. But like when, when people jump on during like a playoff run that didn't watch it all during the season and like they can't name a player, but like they go to the parade that used to bother me. Now I don't give a fuck. That's just one more person to wave to when I'm on the duck boat. Hey, what's up, baby? <laughs> what's up? It's fucking 40 people deep back there. Like, I don't, I don't care. Bandwagon fan, diehard fan, casual fan. Well, you're all welcome. You're all welcome to listen to this podcast, go to the baseball games, enjoy the baseball games. But before we get into, unless you had a thought on that, Tyler. No, I, I agree with you. And even like for the people that, you know, and I feel like I see it on Twitter a lot. It's like, you know, people were negative all off season. Don't try to hop on the Red Sox bandwagon right now, whatever it may be, or try to even be positive. It's like, yeah, yeah, that was a wild tweet. Does, I saw that Dan O'Mara. Uh, yeah. I saw that Dan O'Mara. You're fucking, uh, let's calm down. Dan O'Mara, yeah. uh, good friend of mine. We go way back. He, he wrote for Sox Space, I believe. I'm Did he? Sure. Curry yeah, alum. So. Curry, yeah. that's all I, I know. He was a couple years older yeah, than Yeah, I saw that tweet too, and I disagree. I think he got a little too, uh, a little too, uh, a little gung-ho. Yeah. About, I, 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 but I, I, it comes from a place of what we're talking about right now. Why can't you just have, at the very least, a neutral viewpoint on this team? Why does it have to start at negative? Because yeah. you're coming off a last place season? Okay, but we talked about this before. That's a third place team in every other division in the sport. Like, they, Yes, they finished in last place, so by definition, you're a last place team. But talent-wise, performance-wise, they were just meh. They were a third place team. 78 and, wins. And, and we can have the debate, are they a better team this year than they were last year? You lose Xander Bogarts. That's a big blow. But in, in to, to Alex Cora's credit, I don't think I have that cut. But he did. They were talking about losing JD, losing Bogarts. And he was like, well, shit. I mean, they didn't, they didn't hit any home runs last year. Like, what <laughs> did we dying. really lose? You know, he's like, we got we to we hit the ball hard. We got to put the ball in play, which is something that he, he has been saying forever. I mean, he's a big put the ball in play guy. Like, you know, you'll, you'll hear some baseball fans say, if it's a strikeout, it's still an out. Who cares? You know, we don't care about strikeouts. Well, uh, an out on the ground can still be a very productive out. Or if you just put the ball in play, you don't know what could happen. Could be an error. Like, you you just don't know. I find it funny because a lot of the old school guys who, you know, are all out on this team are making fun of, you know, the nerd approach. It's like, that's the way they built this team this year. It's like long at bats, lots of contacts. They don't want people striking out as much. Like, that's Yoshida. That's Turner. Casas is going to play a big way. Duvall's really the only guy who goes against him. It's because they needed power. Yeah, they um, needed someone to sock homers. And I love that's that. That's it. And someone to play center field, right? And the one thing with Dan, like, you know, I think what Dan was trying to say, there's some people that just straight shit on everything the Red Sox did and called them poverty. Like, if you're sitting here now and trying to be like, oh, Mr. Positive, I get it. But listen, there was things to criticize. I'm not going to weave criticize. That's just part of the conversation here. There were mistakes. There's a reason why every offseason grade has them in about a C range. There's a reason why they're not where they wanted to be when C's get degrees, Tyler. They do. And that can get you into the wild card conversation. Which, hey, if you get to 82, 83, 84 wins, guess what? 86 will get you in. The Red Sox got in on the last game of the season. The Phillies, who made it to the friggin' World Series last year, got in at the same time last year, all with the same win range. So if you tell me the last week of the season, if they get hot, they can end up in the playoffs, are you going to be disappointed? No. no, 
they'll be thrilled. And, and no. that's where they are in a bridge year. Ask the Dodgers it. how much win total means in the playoffs. That's Check it. it in. So be, you can be positive right now. There's reasons to be positive. When the negatives start coming in, sure, let's ride those. We'll talk about them all season long. But enjoy the positives while you have them. That's what yeah. spring training's about. Yeah, you get there's nothing wrong with what's going on right now. It's it's the think of it this way. It's the beginning of a movie where you know that there's going to be some sort of antagonist. Uh, there's going to be some sort of adversity that the protagonist has to overcome. And, you know, it, it's going to be heartbreaking at times. It's going to be backbreaking. But right now you're at the part of the movie where they're just introducing the characters. No one's That's dead it. yet. Little Jimmy's on fire. Yeah. Little Jimmy's thrilled. Yeah. No one's no one's dead. No one's dead yet. So enjoy this. Knowing that uh, we don't know how how the movie goes. We have no idea. Things can happen. There's a lot of people who predicted movies to end one way and they haven't. So, hey, let it play. Listen, you just got to let it play out. And uh, I'm going to leave this up to Jake because, I mean, the fans, the fans have spoken, and I will never be doing another Blue Moon ad read on this podcast ever again. Uh, but Jake is sick. So, Jake, if you would like me to do the Blue Moon read, I can do it right now. But if you are going to do it, I'm going to ask that you do it in post so that Tyler can't hear you. Wow. Yeah, it's up I'd, to rather, you. I'd rather do it in post so I can take unprovoked shots at Tyler without him being able to defend himself. I'll be honest. It's arguably my favorite part of the podcast right now. It's the, it's it well is deserved. the best part of the podcast. All right, so we interrupt this conversation uh, to hear from a word from our sponsors, Blue Moon, who we love very much. Trades, free agency, roster cuts, baseball season feels so far away, but excitement is already building. Blue Moon gives you a dose of ballpark nostalgia without even being at the park. In fact, Blue Moon was born in a ballpark at the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. Its bold flavor, bright explosion of color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience year-round. Tyler, what did you get up to this Valentine's Day? Did you have any Blue Moons at dinner? Um, I actually had to cancel my Valentine's Day dinner because someone asked Heim Bloom if Kike had a good enough resume to be a leader in the clubhouse, so I had to stay up all night tweeting about it. You canceled your Valentine's Day dinner because someone asked Heim Bloom a question? Yep. Sounds about right. From its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you get something one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful, hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all off-season long. Make winter weather feel like spring training. Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind every time. Get Blue Moon delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash jared to see your delivery options. That's get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon, made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you, Jake. Appreciate that. Um, no, thank you. Thank you, Jake. Uh, all right, let's get into some of these uh, press conference clips because uh, some interesting things were said. Some some interesting things were asked. It was it was a whole it was a whole thing. Uh, so this question, this was uh, this was about Kike from Alex Cora because we we saw the the quote about um, Kike said something to the effect of he thought that the players were com- too comfortable in last place. That's more yeah. or less right. Basically, and it was going off like we talked about it, I think, a little last week, the Chris Rose podcast, where he was like, yeah, we we kind of needed to shake things up. This time, he said they got a little too comfortable at the end of last year, which I don't know in terms of how you felt, Jared. I don't think that was a crazy statement. I think it got maybe misaligned a little bit with where he was going, but we'll hear Cora and we'll dive in after that. Can you just clarify, Mr. Because you thought that at times you guys were, were too comfortable being in last place that shouldn't happen i don't agree with that one i don't agree with that one uh i saw it i was like no i wasn't comfortable i I don't think the group was comfortable Uh, if you talk to rafi he'll be very very clear that that wasn't acceptable um obviously you know a lot of new guys in the situation a lot of kids just getting their feet wet at the big league level learning the hard way in the ales for in those two weeks, you know, they, we learn a lot about, uh, you know, those kids and what they can do and, and where they were last year. Um, I, I take pride of what we did last year. We finished, we play all the way to the end, regardless of the results, you know. And, uh, you know, those last three games in, at home against Tampa with a team that, you know, was going to the playoffs, it was, it was good. It wasn't enough because you know, at the end of the day, here, 18 is the only great season that we had. You know, 21 was cool but it wasn't great you know and uh we played the championships and uh that's something that they know we understand and uh i think you know regardless of the the standings last year i think we played you know hard to the end it didn't happen but uh as far as the process and the way we went about our business we did a good job so do i think that some guys were comfortable in last place I I don't I don't know that I would word it that way. I would say that maybe some guys were concerned with other things. Checked out. I I think like I'd look at, you know, it's no disrespect like to Xander Bogarts. And I think this is why like Alex Cora put it this way. Like those are his guys, you mm-hmm. know, Bogarts, JD, Evaldi. I don't blame him for kind of putting it out like that, but I don't even think it was intentional. I think ultimately a lot of those guys were like, you know, we're not super happy with the front office. There's a good chance we don't see ourselves being here. And when you're sitting in last place in September, you know, you're not getting healthier. You kind of realize where the team's at. You know, you're not making a playoff run. Your brain starts to float to other places. I think that's just where some of those guys were at that time. It bleeds into work. And, you know, some of a lot of that blame goes to the front office on the Xander Bogarts front. All of it, really, because it shouldn't have ever got that far. JD and Nate. Like those were two guys begging for extensions in spring training. They didn't get them. I don't blame them for not extending either one. We know what happened with JD at this point in their his career. The Red Sox weren't super interested. Nate Evaldi, it was great that he was coming off a fourth place Cy Young finish. Are you going to throw all that money at him? Like if they did that, we'd be laughing at them right now. 
saying like, look at what happened in 2022. You threw all this money at a guy who had one great year and then went back to being injured. So like, I think it was just, there was a group in that clubhouse, the veteran group who weren't super happy overall. They were already looking to the next thing. And it created a little bit of a checked out mindset or an acceptance of, hey, this is what it is. We need to start thinking about what comes next. And I think Kike is just saying like, it wasn't a great vibe. That's not the vibe you kind of want. We need to restructure this clubhouse. And that's why Justin Turner, you know, coming in, one of my guys, we need to get back to the point where it's not always looking at and saying, you know, things didn't go our way. We're probably on our way out. This all sucks. It's like, no, it's a new beginning. It's a fresh season. Let's get after it. Yeah, I, I think with those names in particular, it's like JD asked to retire in Boston. He was like, hey, give me like three, like call it three years and, and I'll finish out my career here in the Red Sox. I'll take like, a discount. <laughs> suck a fat fucking dick, dude. Yeah, we're not going to even have the combo. Avaldi, uh, different story. I mean, they obviously they tried. They tried early in the offseason to get something done. It didn't work out. He may have overplayed his hand. We know how that story goes. Xander, they fucked that up royally. Um, it, so, yeah, it's... you probably had a bunch of guys that were like, okay, like if the writing's on the wall that we are not going to make the postseason, then you have some of these guys that are like, I got to look good for free agency because I've already asked this team that I'm playing for right now, I would like to stay. Can I have an extension? And none of the three names had one. In JD's case, it he knew it wasn't coming. They didn't even make him an offer in free agency. You know, he went he he had his offer from the Dodgers, and before he accepted it, he went back to the Red Sox and was like, "Hey, anything? Nothing? Nope." So he goes to the Dodgers. Nate, Red Sox try and get something done early in the offseason. They think that something bigger's out there. Turns out something bigger was not out there. So, yeah, it was just, it was fucked it, on, on, on multiple levels, but you can probably understand why maybe the vibe would have been that way is because it, it like, imagine I, I, you do it for your teammates, you do it for the guy sitting next to you. Like, no, I don't think that anyone mailed it in. If anything, it might have been an attitude thing, a temperature in the room thing, but I don't think it was a lack of everything. No. To Cora's it, point, it's like they they played wire to wire, but it's like the dudes that would have had, I guess, motivation to give up. They were free agents. So it's like, no, I got to finish strong because if you don't want me, then like I need to look good for someone else. So yeah. I, I don't think that no one quit on the team. There wasn't I didn't I didn't get the sense that anyone was like, fuck it. Fuck it. We're not going to make the playoffs. All right. Fuck it. But. I think what Kike was more probably trying to say is that like they're the guys just were probably just droning throughout their normal routines. Like there was no like rah rah, like, you know, like this, this, this is probably our last run with this group. Like, let's go out with a bang. And I don't know that that happened or didn't happen. We're not in the room. I have no idea, but I would venture to guess that it didn't. And that's probably what Kike is talking about is that when you say that, you know, the team is comfortable being in last place. I'm sure that it bothered that you're going to tell me a competitor like Nathan Avaldi, dude, motherfucker. What? Like, when he pitched in world series game three, out of the bullpen, he was warming up in the fucking pen the next night. He told Corey, he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I, I'm ready to go for the, for the, for game four, which was supposed to be his start. And then, and then Eddie Rodriguez got the start. And then in the, in, uh, in the clincher, 
he was warming up in the bullpen to, to like get like the final when like Chris Sale was coming out. Nathan Avaldi was he was like he was ready to go. Like these are fierce competitors, JD. And to my point about watching the 2018 stuff, uh, the like all the highlights from every playoff game in 2018. After I mean, JD had a lot of big hits in in the in that postseason run. He's fired up as fuck. Like these are these are competitors. The and JD, the word that I would use for him professional he is a professional hitter professional baseball player so yeah i i think probably what kike was trying to say was there was a lack of fire a lack of spark a lack of rah rah but i don't think that there was a lack of effort i don't think that there was like especially with jd when he was trying to figure out his swing and and looking at the video and correcting things and oh it was my hip and it was this and that like these guys it, you could be Owen in one sixty two, and and guys like Nate, Xander, JD, they have too much pride in their own craft to mail it in, so to speak. Exactly. Like, just think about all three of those players. Their specific moments the last week of the season of all the fighting to come back for his what last two starts. Mm-hmm. He really just wanted to say, "Hey, it is what it is. Like, I, I'm not in the mood to deal with this. I'm just going to heal up and I'll hit the off season." He could have done that. Now, was he trying to showcase a little? Sure. But he came back because he wanted to be in front of the Fenway faithful as well. He made that a point. He's like, I want this last chance in case this really is it because I love being here. Xander, the grand slam in his second to last game. We all, you know, that's the last Xander Bogarts home run we have. JD's two home runs in the final game that brought him from 14 to 16. Like, I don't think it was ever them showing up and being like, screw it. Like, you know, I'm going to take it easy today. No, I think it was just their minds were in other places. They were, you know, they were getting ready. They realized there was a transition coming. Um, you know, it looked like our group here, it had already started to be broken down a little bit with Christian Vasquez, you know, being on his way out. You know, Kevin Pawecki in the middle of September was like, yeah, it's clear. They're, they're going to shake things up here a little bit. And I think that just it's like when you're leaving a job, like it doesn't mean you're going to do a shitty job because you're getting ready to leave. But your mind is on to the next thing. You may not have the greatest vibes. You may not be Xander Bogarts, who was once in the clubhouse and kind of the spark for a lot of people and that very visible guy. Well, now he was kind of a little laid back and after games, he needed to get away with Raphael Devers to reset and kind of get his mind there. Like think about how Xander Bogarts kind of detailed his entire season. I bet it didn't affect Nate and JD as much until the end of the year, but just picture that kind of down feeling JD and Nate carrying that the last month, not knowing what's next. And you can see it's like, no, they're not giving up or not trying. It's just, they're not the spirits aren't high. They're down. You know, they realize it's coming to an end. And I think that's just what Kike was telling you. It was like, no, these guys are all professionals. They're great dudes. There's a reason they won when they were here. And there's a reason Cora has their back like he does. It's just it had run its course. And part of that was because of the front office, clearly. But it doesn't matter anymore. It's just how do you remove the poison? Not calling them toxic or anything. But what was wrong with the clubhouse? How do you get that out and infuse something that you need? Yeah. And I don't even, I don't know. I don't know that it was like, uh, we need to change the voice in the room. I think it was more just, you need voices. Yeah. You needed reinforcements. You needed, you needed more than what you had. Not, uh, necessarily the removal of the guys that were there. It was like, we need more of this. Cause um, we, we know what reality is. If the Red Sox had their way, Xander Bogarts would still be here and Nate Evaldi would still be here. Mm-hmm. Like if they paid Xander and it was like, oh, yeah, we're going over the luxury tax. Nate, here's that three year offer we took off the table from you. 
You know, he, he would have chose to come back here and not be in Texas. Yep. It didn't play out that way. They pivoted. We understand that now. But, you know, Nate didn't know that at the time, clearly. And he seemed like he knew it was pretty foggy about how things were going to play out. And Xander seemed to know what was coming his way in free agency as well <laughs> when that 11 year offer eventually came in. So. Here's uh here's what Haim had to say about what Kike said. Kike said that he thought it was important. Katio. Clubhouse culture. I know you said last year in that way. Yesterday he said it was a group that was comfortable being in last. Alex disagreed with it today. I wanted to get kind of your sense on on those things from him. Yeah, um, I wasn't. I'm not. But uh, I'm I'm actually glad he feels that way. I'm glad he's taking the leadership role um, because you know it's like I said, we need to be better and. When you have somebody uh, who's as invested in making that happen as Kike has been, really going back to last September, and you know the the, the tone in the clubhouse um, that I saw in September w- was not that, but I I'm glad he feels that way um, because I think it's going to pay dividends for us this year. Uh, do people know? Is it public knowledge who asked the the awful question? Yeah. Uh... Ooh, <laughs> I but yeah, I believe it is. I, I think I saw people tagging okay. who it was. I didn't want to like send send the hounds after him. I no. like them. Like it, I, it's public. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, we did TV together in New York in 2017. Um, he's just a good. He's a good dude. But even I, as someone who knows him uh, and is friendly with him, even I was like. This was bullshit. <laughs> this is just a this is a bad question. Uh, maybe you've seen seen the clip on Twitter. Maybe you haven't. Um, but just a, an absolute dud of a question. But Han, does he have the resume to do that? I mean, not Xander Does he have the resume to be that? I don't think. Well, what do you mean in terms of does he have the resume? I mean, Xander's an all star. Yeah, I don't think he needs to be anybody other than himself. Um, you look around the league and actually, you know, from my standpoint, you could look at some of the really good Red Sox teams that uh, that we've seen here in the past. And the guys who set the tone in the clubhouse are not necessarily always the guys with the most all-star appearances uh, or the longest resumes exactly. or the most pages in the media guide or whatever. Christian Arroyo. Um, I think being willing to take that leadership role, being comfortable enough in your own skin to be able to do it is a big part of actually having that land and having it work within the clubhouse. It's not always the guys with the most uh, all-star games under their belt. I mean, even That's Clay. A question, bro. I can't even <laughs> believe it is. That's a clown question, bro. Are we going to say who it is? Bryce, thank are, you. Are we going to say it? It was, it was Duke Castiglione who I like. Again, like I like him. He's a good guy. But just that's a clown question, bro. It was Bryce. Speak to it. It was. It it just it was wild to me because I like I think here, I don't want to speak for other cities, but we've had so many of those guys over the years. Like Brock Holt. Like Brock Holt was one of those all-star. True, he did make that one all-star team in 2015. Um, but you know, we're talking, you know, super utility player guy who isn't the face. I'll go to another one. David Ross, 
first call mm-hmm. Ben Charrington made when free agency opened mm-hmm. uh, going into 2013 was David Ross to shake up the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Johnny Gomes. Like, there are guys, and, you know, no disrespect to Jason Veritek, and he's obviously on a different tier than those players, but Jason Veritek was never the best player in baseball. Mm-hmm. But he served as the captain and was a different kind of leading, a quiet leading, but he was that. I look at Jason Veritek, and who it kind of reminds me of is Justin Turner. A guy who was a really good ball player, never the best player on his team, but a really good ball player that demanded respect and everyone kind of looked at him as someone who came up clutch, was known for what they did in October. Like, not every leader or, you know, guy is Mookie Betts. And Mookie Betts isn't even a good comp because he wasn't really that guy when he was here. But you don't have to be the best player in baseball to be the leader of a ball club. It's, a, it's just, just a different thing. And if you're looking for the on-the-field leader, who is it? It's Rafael Devers. It's not like Kike Hernandez is the best player you have here and you're just sending him forward to, you know, face the media. It's like, no. Kike is a guy who's, you know, a known postseason performer, played on all those Dodgers teams over the years, was mentored by Chase Utley along with Justin Turner when those guys kind of really figured who they or figured out where their career was going and who they were going to be. It's like, yeah, Kike is someone who's been here for a couple of years. And last time I checked, if you look when the Red Sox were in the postseason in 2021, he was the best player on the Red Sox that postseason. 900 OPS. Eh, just saying. In the 900 career OPS in the postseason. Uh-huh. Like, no one's That's pretty that good to have on your resume. Of course. And you look at 2021, like, if you get that version of Kike during the regular season this year, he's a really good player, a well above average player in baseball. And we're not talking about some random scrub. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was a bad question, too. I, and I and what I it. said was either like it could have been asked differently, but to your point, like it's just it's it, you're just wrong. You like it doesn't matter how many all star selections you have to be the leader of a team. Uh, it's just I don't know. I I thought it was I thought it was uh what do the kids say out of pocket? Yes. Instead of trying to get the answer to a question, it just felt like a random attack at Kike, who very clearly is the guy on this team. Like I, I was just scrolling through uh, like Red Sox Reddit, and there was someone wrote a piece like, "This is Kike's team, the 2023 Boston Red Sox, Kike's team," and that's the guy that you're going to come out and be like, "Who the fuck is Kike Hernandez, and why does he get to be the leader?" I mean, have you have you heard every free agent be like, yeah, Kike, <laughs> I'm here because Kike wouldn't let me sign anywhere else like that. That's that's leadership shit. And then people were chirping me when I said Kike is the leader of this team saying, oh, yeah, yeah. The leader of your team is a guy that isn't even under contract after this year. Give a fuck. We'll figure that out later. You don't have to be signed to some sort of monster uh, lengthy extension to be the leader of a team. Is he is he leading the team right now? Yeah, he is. He's leading the team in vibes. He's leading the teams in 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 banger tweets right now. He threw that uh, side eye tweet out to to Duke. He said, "Anybody know how to use LinkedIn? I need help with my resume." It, it, I love it, that. That's the fire. Like, in no disrespect to the team last year, there was never fire like that. It felt like because the vibes were bad, you know and. We'll say it again. The front office caused a good portion of that, but the vibes were not really good at any point except or once opening day started. Like it was just kind of going that way. And even the extension talks during spring training created some bad vibes. It's not there. 
Kike is trying to set the tone for you. And is he going to be the guy they look at and say he needs, you know, you need to carry this team on the field? Hell no. But to have a veteran in that clubhouse who's done everything, he can relate to almost anybody. He's played, you know, outfield, infield, bilingual. He's been a guy who in 2021 was hot as hell in the postseason. Huge moments. He's also had his fair share of lows. He's someone anybody can relate to. And that's what works here. And, you know, Justin Turner, the dude was the leader in the Dodgers clubhouse over these years. I don't think people realize that. Like you ask anyone on that team and he was never the best player there, but it was Justin Turner's ability. I think similar to JD a little bit, but he had a way of bringing guys together and kind of rallying them up. I remember there was a clip during the 2020 postseason. Um, you know, you can probably find it online where he was sitting with the entire team in right field, like going nuts, like hyping them up and talking to him. Like that's who Justin Turner is. I think Kike is helping lay the landscape and a little bit of the runway for him. Like Turner can't come on, come in first day and be like, you know, let's fucking go. This is my spot. He needs to get a little comfortable. He just showed up. Well, Kike, your best buddy's here. We saw them hugging on Red Sox Twitter today. This is how you do that. Like Kike, Justin Turner, two guys who went under Chase Utley together, learn how to lead that way. They're going to bring that kind of hard-nosed attitude to the 2023 Red Sox. There's a reason for. why... There's a reason why when this motherfucker got taken out of the game uh, with COVID and the, and the Dodgers won the World <laughs> Series and he came back on the field and no one said shit. Everyone That's was it. like, yes, like he belongs out here with us. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling like if Stephen Wright did that during 2018, that they would have been like, get this motherfucker out of here. <laughs> get him out. <sighs> they hated Stephen Wright. <laughs> he, he proved why they should. Um, yeah, but that's the stuff there. It's those guys. And I think Corey even said it like, it's not just them. Rafi is growing into that as well. Like that was another part of his presser today. Like you guys don't see it. He's grown a lot in the clubhouse. And like, especially when it comes to scouting and the hitters meetings, like guys rally behind him. I saw him in the dugout last year talking to Brian Bayo. And this is, you know, not a shot at last year's team. Did not seem like the best environment for a lot of young guys to come into. A lot of unhappiness, a lot of guys looking forward, and a lot of guys not loving the transition to the younger guys. I saw Rafael Devers put his arm around Bayo. I saw Evaldi do that as well, um, but it didn't seem like it was the easiest transition for Winkowski, Jaron Duran, um, some of these other guys that looked just lost or like they didn't know how to act. Okay, well, we need guys who are going to put an arm around someone. Rafael Devers showed me that he's willing to do that. This was a actually, you know what? Uh, so I I know this. I I I was like asking around about it, but if you go to like the Red Sox YouTube, the Heim Bloom press conference doesn't start when the Heim Bloom press conference starts. <laughs> Do you know what the first question he got asked was? Oh, or, or what was it? The job security question from Johnny Miller? Yeah, Johnny Miller was like, uh, he's like, "Do you feel like your job is on the line?" <laughs> Classic. And then this question was uh, to Cora. How do you feel about everybody picking you fifth in the division? I mean, the way we played last year, I don't blame them. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Um, Were you disappointed he didn't, you know, kind of come out rah-rah in that moment? It was like, Cora? Watch. Yes. So this is this was Cora's message to the fans. Cora's message to the fans about this year's ball. 
just get better. You know, like I said, you know, I'm not going to come here and say that we're going to play November 5th or whenever the game seven or game six of the World Series is, but we're going to get better. And uh, I think uh, we got, a, I always say we got a good baseball team, you know, but uh, we got a bunch of guys that have done it before. Uh, some of them, they've been together in other venues and they were successful. And, um, you know, hopefully we can, we can accomplish that here in, in Boston. So that's the realest answer that he can give, right? Like if, if Alex Cora says, honestly, we're going to suck. My message to the fans is this team fucking sucks and we're not going to win as many games as you would hope us to. But that's just it is what it is, because that's the roster that we got this year. So strap in because this year is going to fucking blow. You can't say that. What he also can't say is we'll see you in October. I mean, Kike has kind of been saying that to an extent. He's been like, you know, like, we'll see what happens at the end of the year, like October, November. Uh, but I think what Cora said more or less is the realest answer that he can give. Uh, he could have gone the rah-rah route. He's obviously not going to go super negative. He could have been like, you know, watch us, you know, like we'll see. We're, we're going to surprise a lot of people this year. But uh, I think the answer that he gave was perfectly fine. He was just like, you know, we, we, we do have the talent, but a lot of things have to go our way. He didn't tell us anything that we didn't know. Like, I, I feel like you cannot have a conversation in mid-February 2023 about this Boston Red Sox team without using the phrase, what if, or if they stay healthy or, or things like that. There's just too many around the diamond. And, and, and we're not even talking about health, right? Like you talk about Tristan Casas. That's not a health what if. That's like a he's a fucking rookie what if. I'd argue it's a health what if as well. I think it's both. Could be, yeah. I mean, freak injury last year, I guess. But uh, Brian Bayo, that's that's not a health what if. That's a you know first full season. He's a kid. What if? I don't know. So you, you go around the diamond. There's a lot of what ifs. But to to what you said earlier about what if those what ifs are positive what ifs? Then what? Then what do you have at the end? Is it a team that has enough wins? And and I saw uh, our dear friend Steve Peralt said that the Red Sox were going to have 86 wins. I saw he said he said that on Twitter. So I, I made sure that I saved the screenshot. I had a text message. I, saw, I forget who was asking me how many wins I thought the Red Sox would have. And I said 86, not publicly, but privately before his tweet. So I'm just saying I agree. And it has nothing to do with what Steve said. But I'm just glad that Steve and I are on the same wavelength in regards to our predictions. Uh, I do. I, I'm, I'm falling right in there. And what I said was. Here, here's, here's my thought process on my Red Sox win total prediction. Okay. 85 seems too basic. Like how Dave, like how Dave's like, oh, you can't do a round number for the pizza score. Like it's got to be like a 7.2. Like I feel like you can't do 85. It's too round. And then if I go 86, it's it's almost too close to 90, and they're not a 90-win team. And I don't want to go 84, because then that's too close to being a 500 team. Okay, now there's consequences that come with 86. And you know those, right? That, that's implication. How, like you're, if, that's I say the they're 80, if, if I say that they're an 86-win team, now I'm indirectly saying that they're a playoff team. Yeah, basically. 86 wins got the raise in last year. Uh, on the NL side of things, give me a second here. I'll pull it up. 
Uh, 87 it took to get in. Phillies got in with 87. The Brewers had 86 and missed out. <laughs> so are the Red Sox going to be an 86-win team that misses the playoffs by a game? I I I look at them. I put them in the... Also, be careful what you say because on this podcast, we've spoken the last two seasons into into reality. Like 18 and 10 was 2021. I said, if this team goes 18 and 10 in April, they're going to be a playoff team. They went 18 and 10 in April and then they made it to the playoffs. And then uh, last year, we said June 28th. We didn't know what power we had. You know, I... I didn't know that June 28th was going to be the exact day that the season went to shit. Worst but it was. Ever. I mean, with great power comes great responsibility, Tyler. You need to understand that. So but I'm just I'm just letting you know before you say what you're going to say about this team, just know that the podcast has magical powers. I'm scared and I bow down to them. So before they punish me or reward me, I think I deserve to be rewarded. Some would say I'm due for an L, not me, but some would say you're due um, for a dub. A W. Did I say an L? Oh, my you God. Said it, you're literally... You <laughs> this have is bad. L's. Jake, did he say L? Oh, no. Yeah, he said L. This is really <laughs> bad. This is yeah, really you bad. You have L's on your brain. You're so... You Ugh. have PTSD from the amount of L's that you've taken that even when you try to say, I'm due for a dub, you're like, I'm due for a fat L. <laughs> All right. I'm going to take that as a sign from the podcast gods here. <laughs> to wait. I'm, all I'm going to say, I won't give a number total. I'll wait on that. But they'll be playing meaningful games the last week of the season. The last week? Last week. Wow. I thought you were going to say last month. No, I'll go. I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, the best looking picture, but will it still be possible? Yes. Okay. So Tyler, all he wants is a big fat L. (laughs) No, I don't. I want a W. Stop it. Uh, I don't want to get booed again. Speaking of, of, of due for a dub, I was due for a dub today when we recorded Baseball is Dead and my internet was horrible. So I called up Comcast Xfinity. I said, hey, can you guys come over here right now and set up some internet so that I can have internet for the Name Redacted podcast? And they were like, we'll be there in five. Wow. That I fast? haven't dropped once, Jake, right? No, it's been perfect. Not once. J- I'll be honest with you, Jared. Mm-hmm. Jake can uh, agree with me here. I think yeah. Lou noticed it last episode. Usually two or three times in like a two-hour podcast, you cut out for about five seconds on our end at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, two or three times. And we kind of just pretend like it's not happening. And usually we find you in the middle of your thought. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't always make things the easiest. Yeah. I mean, it's, it sucks. But that's why, that's why I, I had Comcast Xfinity come over here and, and figure it the fuck out. Um, because game day... Just got a major upgrade with the next generation Xfinity 10G network. With Xfinity 10G, you can power an entire uh, a house full of devices all at one time. So go ahead. Invite your neighbors over for the game and your neighbor's neighbors. Xfinity 10G can handle it all. All at once with ultra low lag. Xfinity 10G gives you the fastest internet both at home and when you're away with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots, you can stay right in the action even when you're on the go. Introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, this is this is what we're dealing with right now. I, I was we were doing uh, baseball dead earlier, and I was dropping out every two and a half minutes. And now, knock on wood, we were like an hour into name redacted, and I haven't dropped out once. Thank Shout you, Xfinity. Thank you, Xfinity. Thank you. We appreciate Comcast Xfinity uh, here on the the name redacted podcast. Uh, what other clip did I have? Oh, the uh, the Heim clip about potentially adding i like this yeah it's it's uh, eh. it, it's no we like we juice. have but we're going to continue to look to, to add to this group obviously you know we've got uh some guys who we you know with trevor we know we'll be without him uh, without alberto uh we're still working on a timetable there as we progress him uh so we're going to keep looking at okay so to me i take that as when are they when are they eligible to put Trevor's story on the 68-day IL? I it should be any day. I thought initially it was when pitchers and catchers reported. It didn't happen today, but I believe it's very shortly after, if not, you know, the next couple days. Okay. So when they put Trevor's story on the 60-day IL, that frees up a roster spot so that they wouldn't have to designate anybody for assignment and they could potentially sign an Elvis Andrews or uh, Jose Iglesias. Would you at this point, after all the Kike hype at shortstop and and even him talking about it, like it sounds like this is a challenge that it's not like, hey, I'll take this one for the team. Like, I know that I'm the center fielder, uh, but yeah, you, you guys need me at short. No problem. Like, I'm happy to do this for the team. It's not it's that's not doesn't seem to be his attitude at all. I think his attitude is Fuck you if you think that I can't be an everyday shortstop at the big league level because I'm going to go out and prove you wrong. Is that an opportunity that you would like to take away from Kike at this point? I do feel like you'd be taking the wind out of his sails a little bit. Like when that's what he's kind of talking about, like always dreaming. And it was interesting when Bloom talked about it and he said it a bit later, or maybe it was the follow up question or whatever. He's like, yeah, we're a little worried. We would like a little more depth at short just because Mondesi you know, best case will be ready for opening day, but it seems like they're leaning on the other side of it and mm-hmm. they've been consistent on that. It's just you'll sit there and you kind of piece it together in your head. You know, Elvis Andrews, if you do go and get him, does that really make sense with Mondesi and Arroyo at that point? Probably not. We know they view Mondesi as someone who could play shortstop when Kike is not there. I think they've also hinted at Duvall not playing center field like he's going to be playing full time, full ish time, but not all the way. I think it's going to be something like four ish times a week. Because we saw last year, he told Brian Snicker his body wear is down. Uh, and it was one of the reasons his bat probably didn't have much life the first two months. So will Kike get some time in center? I think that's a real possibility. He'll be playing center for Team Puerto Rico. We know that as well. So that's where those reps will be. Can you get someone like Iglesias in who, yeah, he can give you a little something at shortstop just to get by earlier in the year. Not someone you want out there every day at this point. But could he also give you the bridge with Mondesi and give you a little help there? And, you know, they're at 224 right now. That gives them, you know, a little under 10 million to work with here before they hit the luxury tax. Elvis Andrews is going to be out there every day if you paid him. Jose Iglesias seems like the kind of guy you can bring in for a couple million 
and just plug and play, and then you figure out the issue when you get there. I think Elvis Andrus is the only guy that I would. I mean, no, no offense to um, Jose Iglesias, but he he would be a second baseman to me. And I don't have the clip, but uh, Cora straight up said Christian Arroyo is our sec- our starting second baseman. Like he said that. And I don't think like if they were to go the route of Iglesias, it would be something where it would be you know, hey, here, come take the role. Right. I think there it'd be split if anything, which I do think they prefer to protect him. I do think sure. they worry about Arroyo being out there every single day. I think that's why they got Mondesi in the first place. It's, hey, let's take two guys who are pretty solid when they're on the field, but we don't have to ask every, every day out of them. Let's split it up and hope you get the best out of both worlds for 70 or 80 games a year. Mm-hmm. It's just how do you get to when Mondesi's ready? Still, both, you know, how likely are they? I don't know. Like, how many, like, Elvis Andrews will probably land a job once more teams start, you know, putting guys on the 60-day IL. Iglesias feels like he's in a weird middle zone. Iglesias of, does feel like he's going to have to take a minor league deal if it's not uh, a big league deal to come play second base or shortstop for the Boston Red Sox right now. And if the Red Sox get him to take a minor league deal, amazing. That is, that'd be a great scenario to end up in. And I think that's kind of why they're, you know, waiting it out. And Bloom said himself, yeah, we've talked to some of the guys that are out there. We're maintaining conversations. I think, I think Jose Iglesias would be best served sitting on the sidelines uh, unless he signs one of those like minor league deals where he can opt out at a certain date. Because it's like, you know, would you rather be in the minors seeing semi-decent pitching and getting reps? Or would you rather be sitting around until like mid-May hoping or not hoping, but waiting to see if uh, someone goes down and now you're needed elsewhere? Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. It, it, it's one of those spots for him. I don't. It just depends what's out there. Like he signed for five million last year to go to the Rockies. Mm-hmm. If he hasn't got that at this point in the off season, you know, do you really feel like he's gonna get? Maybe, maybe a team gets him for a couple mil or whatever it is. It's just, yeah, I, I think the Red Sox are gonna wait it out. They're not desperate right now. I think they'd yeah. like to add someone. Does it need to be one of those guys? No. Maybe they might prefer someone with a little more roster flexibility. Someone they can kind of push back and forth. If Iglesias falls into that category, great. Elvis Andrews isn't going to fall into that. No. By the way, so, Adam Duvall in 2021, the World Series year, uh, his OPS uh, about 100 points lower in center field than at the corner outfield positions. And if you look, I believe he played his last game in center field May 27th of last year. I gave the stats last podcast from June 1st about how good he was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was after they took him out of center field. Got to keep him fresh. Got to keep him fresh. And, and that's why I think they like the idea with Kike. Hey, maybe we shove you to center field a couple days. Maybe they do it with Ref Snyder um, and they play some of these matches. Core made a point to say Ref Snyder is going to get real at bats this year. Is that a way you can kind of lay that way of doing it? You know, give a breather to Duvall, pick the right matchups. Maybe you move him to a corner on some days with Verdugo, uh, make life a little bit easier on him in terms of keeping him fresh because we know Duvall could play right field. All right. It's the flexibility of the roster. I think that's what it comes down to here. Unlike last year where it felt like you move one piece and nothing else fits, you can kind of mix and match these pieces in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And does that have the same ceiling? No, probably not. But when a puzzle fits together, sometimes it works better than a puzzle that doesn't fit together, but may look a little better. Yeah. Uh, so earlier I said I had some thoughts on Chris Hill. Because do you, do you have any other 
comments about the spring training stuff? No, I don't think anything stood out in a big way. Let me go through here. Um, yeah, no, I, I think the Kike stuff was really a majority of it. Devers agreed with Core and Bloom just to put that out there, saying, uh, you know, I we I was embarrassed. I didn't like how last year ended. So that's another guy. But of course, you know, he's going to back Bogarts. He's going to back Evaldi and JD. Those are his guys. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the Chris Sale stuff, I think, is what's at the forefront. Yeah. So Chris Sale, and again, I, I didn't get the chance to see his press conference. I just saw like a couple of quotes or whatever. Uh, one of the quotes, something like, you know, I, I, I can't live up to the money or I'm not trying to live up to the money. I'm just trying to be me. And I feel like a guy like Chris Sale at this point, I mean, at winter weekend, very well received. I mean, far and away, the most popular player, uh, Devers too, but um, with the diehards, he still has that cachet. He's still treated with respect. But then you get to like reading some of the stuff on the internet where you know people are chirping him for being injury prone, and you know, oh, like he's just gonna, you know, did he break his wrist yet, or this and that, and like it's people are really down on Chris Sale, and I'm just thinking about it from the human element of again watching those those highlights of the 2018 Boston Red Sox last night. And thinking to myself, like, if you look in Chris Sale's eyes as he's about to deliver that two-strike pitch to Manny Machado, it was a slider, but the grit in his teeth and the look of, I'm going to fucking kill you on his face. Chris Sale is probably the fiercest competitor that we've ever seen. But since Kevin Garnett, like, he... Chris Sale and Kevin Garnett are are very similar in terms of their uh, compete level, which if they were a scale one to ten, Kevin Garnett and Chris Sale are like a fucking eighty nine. <laughs> you know, like these guys are just built different. They are very unique and, and rare in terms of how much they care and how much talent they have and how they're able to harness their talent with their ability to win and put those things together to to complete championship dominance performances. So again, going back to the the mental aspect of this. If this guy's compete level is that high and he cares about winning that much and he wanted to stay, I mean obviously they made it worth his his while. He wanted to stay in Boston, where he just helped you win a World Series title. Things, that was one of the things that he said was things can change so quickly. Like, we just won the World Series. I just recorded the final out. I just signed this monster contract extension. I'm on top of the world. And then everything goes to shit. Multiple comeback attempts ended. And you can believe the stories or not. I mean, I don't. Whether or not I believe the bicycle story and whatever, it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter if the stories are true or not because we know that the injuries are real. Uh, so to, to put yourself in his shoes, all you want to do is go out there. I mean, go back to the interview that we did with me and Coley. Me and Coley, spring training 2019, interviewed Chris Sale, and, and Coley made a passing remark calling uh i don't even remember the full context but he 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 said yeah like you know those assholes or whatever like i think 
he was talking about Chris Sale's freak out in the dugout. He's like, come on, you assholes. Like, you need to get your shit together. And Chris Sale said, well, first of all, they're not, they're not assholes. They're my teammates. And Coley damn near shit his pants. I would have. I did too. So this guy loves his teammates, will defend them, wants to perform for them, fight alongside them. And he has all these things happen. Like uh, things, maybe they're uh, depending on the, the story that you choose to believe out of his control or not. I mean, we saw the injury at Yankee Stadium. That was out of his control. That just feels like, I mean, mentally, you have to feel like, why me? Like, I'm, I'm like the chosen one, but in the worst way. So I have a ton of sympathy for Chris Sale, where I know in, in this isn't like a private thing. Like, if you just watch the game, you know how much the game matters to him. And to have that taken away from you, 2019, 2020, 21, 22. I mean, we're talking about four lost years. It, That's like, crazy. And it's a dude, you listen to him talk and he talks about the therapy that he's needed to go through, like how lonely he was. When do you hear athletes be that vulnerable about, you know, what it's like to sit there and be down at, you know, Fort Myers just throwing, you know, going through Tommy John surgery, coming back from a stress, fa- stress fracture in your rib, uh, you know, the freak injury at Yankee Stadium, the wrist, like, He's gone through so many different things and, you know, he tries to put perspective on it again and again. And that's what someone he's like, I'm trying to be an adult. That's it. He can joke about it. Like he did the Pinocchio thing today. Like I'm a real boy, Humpty Dumpty. He does what he can to, you know, cope with it. And he realizes like, yeah, let's be real. I can't live up to this contract. Even if I give you solid production in the next two years. Well, look what the last couple of years were. 2020, 2021, 2022. They're gone. Um, but no one spoke higher of his teammates since they got to camp than Chris Sale today, going on for minutes, talking about why you should respect Corey Kluber. And Sale's like, listen, I've been trying to recruit this guy, even though I wasn't playing for years. I was texting him over and over. He's like, his trophy case? Good luck finding someone who can match that. James Paxson, another guy I've been down here, you know, Fort Myers with last year. You should see him when he's on. You guys don't realize how good he actually is when he's right. You know, someone to talk you up and have that kind of, just uplifting support and you know they'd bring up Bogarts and all these pieces that left he's like hey I love those guys I'd do anything for those guys but it's not about them anymore they're gone they're not coming back it's about everyone who's here and he's like I don't care what people are saying we're going to make some noise like that's some of the rhetoric that reminds me of 2021 a little bit of hey we're a lot better than what people think we are around here and you guys might not see it hey Cora may not be a little slow because he doesn't want to throw pressure on you know, him on some of these other guys who are trying to figure it out, uh, you know, guys stepping into bigger roles, rookies. We've talked about it. Chris Sale's like, no, like, let's fucking go. I'll bring the intensity. I'll be that guy in the 2018 World Series dugout screaming at everyone to get them going. He's a maniac. There's Chris Sale's one of those few guys where, yeah, he'll sit there and he can come off so vulnerable and enlightening. And then you see it and it just snaps. There's a side of him that and I'll relate it. You said KG. I'll relate it to Tom Brady a little bit where it's like, whoa, like, what the fuck is that? Like, that is not a guy you want to fuck with. And that's the Chris Hill we haven't got to see. It's been taken from him. It's been stolen from him, pulled underneath, as he said. Well, we finally are sitting here. It's his first real spring training legit since 2019 where he's been right. Nothing's gone wrong. It's not, you know, a bad elbow in 2020 that leads to Tommy John or anything. So, yeah, he's grateful. He's going to face live hitters on Tuesday. 
bullpen on Saturday through one today. This is his time. He realizes what it is. And I think even him and Cora have realized like, hey, let's let's pump the brakes. Let's just take it day by day. No more getting people excited. Let's just see where you know he takes us. That's all it is. And I, I look at Chris Sale right now and I say, if you're doubting people who could be leaders or whatever it may be, I think he's the first guy. If someone can have a David Ortiz moment like he did in 2013 when he was talking to everyone in the dugout, Chris Sale carries that pedigree. He is on that same tier of, you know, Hall of Fame quality, uh, you know, pitcher respect wise and Corey Kluber as well. But he's one of those dudes that can set the tone for this year. I just I don't get why. Like, trust me, I understand the bike thing was self-inflicted. That was the first time you could really point to that. But how could you not root for him? When has he ever done anything and, you know, shit on teammates or been a bad teammate? Like you want to cite AAA last year when he went berserk and he broke a bunch of fucking TVs. Like or one TV, he ripped it off the wall. He paid for it all, and it was but already you, broken. That as well. And on top of it, let's not act like the dude had one bad thing that went wrong for him. The dude's had years of things that have gone wrong for him. His he might have a Hall of Fame career derailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna be friggin' mad when things aren't going right, and you feel like you let those guys down, and you've let them down so much that you need to seek help at times to get through those moments. How can you not root for that guy? Yeah. I'm, couldn't be more excited to root for that guy. Uh, that that's where I'm at, obviously, which was where I wanted to to land the plane. Was the last two years, excluding this year, I'm talking about 21, 22. The last two years, a lot of the narrative going into the season was, well, when we get Chris Sale back, now we go. Like the season depended on when we get Chris Sale back. And then we'll we'll take off from there. This year, it's just I, I'm just rooting for him. Like it, it, it's the it's like the first year since, uh, <laughs> like what 2019 that he started the year with the team like out of the gate, like he could take the ball on opening day. Jared, uh, you just want him to have a Corey Kluber year like Kluber had last year. Fine, Go I I there. still think that it's I I I don't even think it's that because it. I, if Chris Sale is taking the ball, I think his numbers are going to be better than what Corey Kluber has been the last couple of years. Agreed. It, it's either he's going to pitch and pitch well, or he's not pitching at all. If he's if if he's not pitching, it's because he he's hurt again. I hope that doesn't happen, obviously. But I think if he's healthy enough to take the ball, then you're going to get like a, a sub three five, maybe even a sub three. It, it, it's. It's really that simple. So I don't know. I, and I'm sure that saying all this is falling on deaf ears with the people that listen to this podcast, because I'm sure the people that listen to this podcast are like, yeah, of course we're down with Chris Sale. We're down a ride. We're diehard Red Sox. We're listening to a Red Sox podcast in mid-Feb. We're re- diehard Red Sox fans. Okay. That's good. That's good. But it, it just bothers me when I see, I don't want to call it hatred, Oh no! But there's hatred. There, there there's hatred, hatred for Chris Sale. No oh fucking yes. way! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, like, Jared? There is fucking hatred. Like if you how do you see? Like I don't he know how many do more... anything. I've... He hasn't done anything wrong. He's just gotten hurt. He hasn't that... said the wrong things. He hasn't fucking. He hasn't but... done anything to deserve hatred. 
but there's people who villainize and like I've seen people float. It's like, oh, that whole thing Chris Sale does where he's accountable. It's just an act. It's just him. He can always say the right thing. But when is he out there? It's crazy. But that's the bullshit you see. And I know there's people listening who are like, I see it. I see it every day on Twitter. That's there's real hatred who look at him as a fraud, as someone who's not actually Chris Sale. And those people are fucking clowns. It's clear Mm -hmm. they're clowns because anyone who sees the dude, you see how bad he wants to be out there. Look at 2021 playoffs. Chris Sale got his dick kicked in. Dick, nothing. He was out of gas. He's trying to get by on two pitches. It was a, cha- you know, his slider, fastball, changeup. Good fucking luck. It wasn't there. When he struck out Kyle Tucker, and he had that moment, mm. seething, screaming into mm. his mitt, and he, it wasn't even a good start. Like no. he was just trying to survive. It was like Chris Sale's like, hey, I just want to get through this and the game somewhat close. Mm. And he is screaming into his glove like that. Like I know. You know, we look back at 2021. I know Cora doesn't look at it as a great year for us. We do. That was, that, that was, that was amazing so year. Fun. One yeah. of the best years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 2007. But, you know, it was 2021. And shut up, Jared. Uh, 2021 it's, as a whole. I, I, it, I think and people were talking about like the 2018. Like, oh, like, man, if we could really have one back, like I, I would give it to 21 before I gave it to 2008. I would. Oh, my God. I would rather uh, win in 21 than go back to back. Oh, seven, oh, eight. I would. That's tough. I, I, uh, but that would be something like you, you wouldn't want him to. to get his. I do. I, I know selfishly I would. In 2021 was such a big year for me. So I agree. 2021, 2021 I would, take, would be such a narrative. Like after oh, everything's different, it's a complete narrative changer where it's like, oh, okay, you trade Mookie Betts to the Dodgers and immediately he wins a World Series with the Dodgers. And it's like, all right, well, fine. It was a fucking 60 game season. The year after that, we won a World Series with in a full season. That was, it was a Heim title. Yeah, I, personally, I would, but it would be fascinating. And I know how much that 2008 ALCS sticks to people. Like, I, I was young and I was able to, you know, take it in. But I, I know a lot of people who look back and they're like, I can't get over, you know, the walk off and leading up. You know, David Price ends up finishing it off. How many people thought they really were about to pull that one off? And Jared, I think you're one of these people. You'd argue that the 2008 team was even more loaded than the 2007 team was. Terry Francona people- called it the best team that he managed in Boston. Well, Fair conversation when you look at the talent on that but, roster. And, but you know, Beckett was hurt and Lowell was hurt. If those two guys are healthy, they they go back to back. And I, I that's fine. And if Manny, if Manny isn't a fucking dickhead, not that Jason, I mean, Jason Bay was great in that playoff run, too. So it's not like but they, what Manny did when he yeah, got he to like L.A. 500 man. with like a 2000. Yes. Yeah, he yeah. took every steroid that ever existed. and just right. plugged it right into his body. Exactly. So, you know, it, certain things could have gone in their favor in 2008. but. Going back to back 07 08, it would have been cool. Uh, but like the Red Sox winning with that 21 team, it just, I don't know, it would have been, it would have been cool. And you're right, the revisionist history, like Xander definitely gets paid because you know what I mean? They're coming off the World Series. I I don't want to walk down that road. Back to the conversation we were having. I don't want to cry today. Um, I've been emotional. Chris Sale. In that fire right there, you just don't see that fire across sports anymore to that, that level. Was, very that was few. the most animated he's ever been, I, I think, in his entire Red Sox career. 100%. And this is a guy who closed out the World Series in 2018. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. And he was in that moment. But you know what that was, Jared? That was someone who had been already through so much to get to that point to be back on the field. Now, picture that intensity after a stress fracture in your rib, 
broken finger against the Yankees or pinky, and then the bike incident. Mm-hmm. What we might see from Chris Sale this year, if he can get out there, we might see that energy in May. <laughs> like, Every game. <laughs> seriously. Just and get out there and start punching dudes out and screaming. I love that's it. That's it. And we saw even last year, I know a lot of people want to forget, Chris Sale, the one start we did get before the Yankee start was good. It was five scoreless. And he, we saw the slider. It was what we wanted against the Rays. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. I do think they're going to take him along slower than people realize, though. I don't know if you've caught on to that the last couple days as they've talked. They're definitely going to be limiting him at least the first month. I think we're talking like five innings max. Yeah, that's fine. I'm cool with that. And I think that kind of goes to what we were talking about with Lou last week in the six man rotation a little bit mm-hmm. where they're going to have to stagger. I think that he's definitely in that. Will it be Whitlock and Paxson to some degree? But I think for those who are hoping Chris Sale just hits the runway day one, no. And I don't think that's the way they should go about it. Just let him build. And Cora said, we'll take the training wheels off, you know, at some point. And when we do, we know he's going to push it. That's when I think you'll see Chris Sale pump it up a little more velocity wise. He can get there still. He can still get you 97, 98. We know that. I just think it may take a little time for him to start, you know, unlocking that again. Not mm-hmm. consistently. It'll never be 97, 98 every day. But if you're looking for a big strikeout when he needs it, I think come May, you'll see him probably even shift to another gear if he can stay healthy. I'm excited. I'm very excited. This is the first time I said that. I'm excited. I'm excited. Can I ask you a question, Jared? Yeah, please. Now, where I will say when it came to Chris Sale, I asked a question the other day outside of Rafael Devers, who's your favorite player on the team? I would say Chris Sale got... He came in second place, I want to say. Do you want to guess who came in first? Verdugo. Yes. And this started a very big debate. I don't, I don't know if you saw uh, Matt McCarthy, who oh, nothing better than watching Matt McCarthy get dunked on, uh, talking <laughs> baseball, okay. posted Chris Verdugo, absolutely shitting on Boston radio, saying, you know, do Boston sport fans ever get sick of listening to these guys who don't know anything talk about the Red Sox or whatever it may be? Um, but there was a lot of, he had a tweet saying, you know, I'd trade Verdugo on a heartbeat. It got a lot of likes. He didn't ratio me, but it got a lot of likes. Do you, who do you look at as your favorite player? And does it surprise you that Verdugo is at the top of that list? And that even Sale gets that much respect. First of all, it doesn't surprise me that Verdugo is up there. I think it's because he's flashy. Like he's. The energy. He's, yeah, it's, he's different. Um, I think when you, when you cast a wide net out to baseball fans. It's like, you're not going to get the nerds that are like, well, what is wins above replacement is like sixth on the team. How can he be your second favorite player? Like you're not, you're not asking those people. You're asking people like, can you name a player on the team? And they're like, yeah, fucking Alex Verdugo. He's a dude with the chains, right? And it's like, yeah. So I think, you know, the more animated, the more flashy, the more distinct your look is, the more memorable you're going to be when you ask people, hey, I'm taking uh, Rafael Devers out of the question, out of the equation. Uh, who's your favorite player? They're like, oh, fuck, who else is on the team? Alex Verdugo is on the team still, right? Yes. Yep. Verdugo. I think uh, that probably has a contributing factor to it. Um, but my favorite player on the team. <laughs> Can I guess? I need to figure it out first. <laughs> you don't know. Wow. My favorite player on the team. Would you say Devers is your guy, right? Devers, best player on the team. He's who they paid. Yes. Like, who's my favorite hitter to watch? Rafael. Are Devers. you a pitcher guy? Um, not like, I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, I 
I like watching the best of the best. I can't sit there and watch like a middle of the pack guy and be like, oh, but like, you know, his spin rate and shit like See? that. The middle of the pack guys hit with me. I, I like those guys. It I depends. Think like, I, I like uh, no, uh, no disrespect to him, but it was the first name that came to mind. But like a Michael Walker, like am oh, I mm. like I like the idea of Michael Walker gives my team a chance to win. So I'm excited to see his name as the probable starter for tonight, because that means that the Red Sox have a decent chance to win this baseball game. But am I like locked in being like, I just want to see him work? No, but I'll look at the slate before uh like a you know a tuesday night slate it's like all right we get a full slate tonight like who's pitching oh verlander oh i'm fucking tuning in for that you're Degrom, fuck yeah it's like oh lucas giolito love that change up garrett willock keep going <clears throat> name a pitcher name a pitcher uh, um <laughs> like a you darvish guys like that like i i like watching uh dudes that have swing and miss and the ability to give you seven innings. It's like, all right, yeah, like I might watch something pretty cool tonight. Um, Shohei Otani, obviously. So, yeah, I guess like I, I like the, the stars, but I don't. I don't know. It's they got to be electric. Like you have to have electric shit to really grab me. Otherwise, I'm just going to gravitate towards the hitters. Like I just. That's that's the shit I like. I like homers. Like hitting the ball hard. Trying to think who would fit on this team into this. <sighs> like into this favorite, category. my favorite player is going to end up being like fucking Adam Duvall or something. Oh, God. Like I, I like Turner. Adam Duvall. Yeah. Uh, there's just so many new names and faces. It's not like I'm unfamiliar with their game. Like I'm obviously very familiar with Adam Duvall and Justin Turner and guys like that. But I've got to see them wear my uniform. You need to fall in love. Yeah, they need to woo me. They need to have a moment where I'm like, fuck yeah, like, let's go. Like, if if Justin Turner hit a walk-off home run on opening day, and then when he got to home plate, and he's, like, pointing to, like, the Red Sox, and he's like, fuck yeah, Boston, dude, then that's when it's like, all right, well, he's all in. He's bought in. He's not just a, he's not just a hired gun. He's not a merchant. He's, I respect he's, that. He's bought in. So, I mean, like, Kike, Kike's on the list. Which interest that surprises me because he profiles Alex Verdugo is one of my favorite players. Uh, I like guys who I always feel like are going to like there's another level, but, you know, guys are hard on them. They're more closer to the the average area and they're always trying to climb to it. That's why Alex Verdugo is probably my second favorite player on the team. I was always a big I like Trot Nixon growing up. Uh, I enjoyed Cody Ross when he was here. It, it's always those kind of average players. Sometimes they rise a little above, but, you know, you're always hoping for a breakout. Do you know who my favorite player is? Your favorite player is Garrett Whitlock. Good job. I'm proud of you. Did you know? Did you see the tweet? No. Oh, my God. How did you know? Is that obvious? Yes. I, I don't think. I think you can support the Garrett Whitlock starter movement. And there were a lot of people. Jake, Jake, how obvious is it that Tyler was going to say Garrett Whitlock? I mean, everyone saw that coming. <laughs> yeah. Literally, like, who the fuck thought that you were going to pick someone else other than Garrett Whitlock? He's all you talk about. I hate you guys. That's fine. Hey. It's 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 a it's great a, pick. It's it's no, it's not. But it's, it's not. A, it's, a it's not fantastic. Bad. No, no, no. Whoa. That, no, no. It's I'm not saying it's a bad pick because he's a bad player. I'm just saying like there's there's other like probably more interesting picks. I'm starting to sense a little Garrett Whitlock hatred from you. I don't hate Garrett Whitlock. I like him. 
best young arm they've had in some time. Brian Bayo could change that conversation. See, Brian Bayo might end up being my favorite player on the team. Now, see, I when I put this tweet out the other day and I was like, I felt wrong picking Tristan Casas or Brian Bayo. I felt like it wasn't right. Because they're the almost same like way, not eligible. Yeah, I, I couldn't name Yoshida either because I was like, I've never even seen Yoshida play. Like, yeah, it's like when people are like, oh, yeah, like Ted Williams is my favorite player. Exactly. Like, no, like I hate not. when people do that shit. Like, it's like, you know, you got to have like Duvall or Turner. Like, yeah, I watched him for a bunch of years. I guess I could comprehend it. But like, you know, you got to make your mark here a little bit before you call a player, you know, your favorite or it sounds weird. Yeah. I'm still bummed a little bit that the Red Sox couldn't pull off that blockbuster like uh, Christian Yelich, Corbin Burns trade. That would have been that that would have been special. Oh, we wouldn't have Yoshida, though. Christian Yelich would die in right field if NY. He would play left. So Yoshida's playing left. Okay. You're going to kick Justin Turner off the boat? No. All right, then. For Christian Yelich and left. (laughs) Two left fielders? (laughs) New form? In my hypothetical scenario, this is before they sign Yoshida. You know what? I'll say it right now. Yoshida has a better year than Christian Yelich. Yeah, that's that's that wouldn't surprise me. But I mean, who would you rather have Yoshida or Corbin Burns? That's not very nice. Well, obviously, obviously, okay. I would take okay. Corbin Burns, but that's okay. not where we're living. No, it's not. We're, hey, we're if Coley sent that text out maybe a couple weeks earlier. He got us Mondesi. He did get us Mondesi. Why couldn't he get that one done? Yeah, he did get us Mondesi. That was huge. <laughs> Oh, gigantic. Thank you. I will say, I thought Cora baiting reporters saying that he looked like Xander Bogart's body-wise was pretty funny, and I thought people were going to turn that into a much bigger thing than it turned out to be. Haim said that? Uh, no, Cora. Cora's like, oh. I looked at him, and I didn't realize how big he was. He's like, he's built like Xander. Xander-esque was the term. Mm. Uh, and I was like, oh. Hmm. Cora can recognize a good body when he sees one. It's true. Uh, this is, this has been a very positive pod. I feel I'm telling you this week right here is one of the best. No matter what team you root for, it's one of the best weeks to be a baseball fan all year long. We're gonna come on here. There's gonna be nights. Not if you're a Yankee people. fan. Oh, <laughs> you know what? I'm not gonna laugh at injuries, but at the same time, sucks because you laughed at us last year when all when everyone on our team fell apart. When you were mocking Chris Sale the day he walked off that mound, there were a lot of Yankees fans laughing at us. I won't laugh, but I remember. I remember. Fucking suck on it. Yes. (laughs) We won't forget. Tough. Hey, but that's another thing. You want a reason to be positive? Injuries are going to happen. I'm not hoping anybody gets hurt, but the picture changes. Spring training rolls around. Numbers get called. Frankie Montas, good chance he's out for the whole year with shoulder surgery. Nestor Mm. Cortez, not going to the WBC tweak his hamstring. Mm Mm-hmm. You, Tough. Do you hear that? Hear what? You hear that, Tyler? I hear something, but I'm not sure what it is. Oh, shit! <laughs> it is the positivity horn, Tyler. It's Woo! spring training. Red Sox baseball is right around the corner. We got a healthy Chris Sale. 
We got Yoshida, he's doing curls. We got Alex Cora back managing this team. Alex Verdugo's in the best shape of his life. This team could surprise a lot of people. Hit it, hit it again. One more time. One more time. This team could surprise a lot of people. This team, you want to say it's 77 wins over under? Smash the over. Take the fucking over on this team. The Boston Red Sox can surprise a lot of fucking people in 2023. Adam Duvall, maybe he's not going to play center field. Maybe he's going to hit me again. Come on. One more time. (laughs) Hit me one more time. Tristan Casas a full year. Brian Bayo a full year. Garrett Whitlock's in the rotation for a little bit. All year. We got two catchers to choose from. Connor Wong, Reese McGuire. What a fucking turn of events. Christian Royal, congratulations. Hit me again. Please. Christian Royal is a starting second baseman in the Boston Red Sox. The bullpen. Great bullpen. Welcome to town, Chris Martin. Kike Hernandez is my shortstop. Kike, my shortstop. You got Rafael Devers, the highest paid player in Red Sox history over at third base. What a fucking team. What a fucking team. One last time. Kenley Jansen. Kenley Jansen is the closer. He led the league in saves last year. We got guys who can pass the baton in the bullpen. Chris Sale in the rotation. James Paxton, he's got a job. Corey Kluber, he's won a couple Cy Young Awards. I'll tell you what. I'm excited for Red Sox baseball for the first time in a long time. I hope you're excited too. One more time. One more time before we get out of here. Back from the dead like a baby. Unbelievable. It's going to be a great baseball season. And uh, I'm just excited. I hope you're excited too. And uh, Tyler, any last words? Stop sleeping on Chris Sale. Put some respect on his name. Stop sleeping on Chris Sale. Jake, any last words? I can't fucking wait to watch the Red Sox. Can't wait for the fucking Red Sox. All right, we'll see you. We'll see you next week. Buenas noches, amigos.